Welcome to Here She Stands, the podcast where Lutheran women from across Australia come together as a community, sharing stories and testifying to God's goodness. My name is Lexi and I'm a mama of four girls and the wife of a first-year pastoral student. And I'm Sonia, a Lutheran pastor's wife and mum of two kiddos. Together we have a desire to see each woman hold firm to the Word of God and say, Here I stand, I can do no other. In today's episode, we're chatting with Julie Kleinick, who is the wife of the LCA's interim ministry pastor, focusing on reconciliation. They are currently serving in Chinchilla, Queensland, and Julie faithfully supports her husband in this ministry. Welcome to our podcast, Julie. Hi, thanks for having me. And we're joined by our wonderful Lexi, of course. Hi, Lexi. Hello, thank you. So, Julie, where do you live and um, what do you do? Well, I live in um, Chinchilla in Queensland and we're about four hours northwest of Brisbane out in the um, part of the Darling Downs. I don't currently work out of the home. I'm just at home supporting my husband in his role as a pastor here. Yeah, and that job in itself is its a very important full-time job, being a pastor's wife. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and how long have you been married? We've been married. We'll be married 36 years in November. So I can hardly believe that, but, yeah, yep. <laughs> time goes by. Yeah. yeah, and how did you meet Stuart? So I didn't grow up in the Lutheran Church. I, w- I grew up Anglican, and um, in about year 10 in high school, I met this girl by the name of Kathy, and she belonged to the Lutheran Church, which I hadn't heard of. And I started going to her youth group, which was in Adelaide, and we their youth group group was called Ugly because it was the Underdale Glandor Lutheran Youth. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, Underdale Glandor was a parish in Adelaide. So I used to go to her Bible studies and things like that and meet other youth. And um, one of our members had a um, came from a farm off a little place called Yamali, which is sort of south of Tail and Bend. And they did a fundraising, which was picking Mali stumps out of the ground and then having them trucked to Adelaide and they would raise funds for their youth group. And someone else in our youth knew Stuart and invited him along. And so on a whim, he just went, yeah, I'll go. And we met each other there and um, he often tells people that he pulled this stump out of the ground. (laughs) (laughs) You never know what you're going to find out in a paddock. (laughs) Yeah. So that's how we met. (laughs) And, um, yeah, we sort of, I think we dated for a year and got engaged and then we sort of came up with this bit of a dilemma. I was Anglican, he was Lutheran, what would we do? I said to him, well, I don't really, haven't really seen a really nice Lutheran church. I was attending a Anglican church which was a 100-year-old with a marble altar and high church and that. And I said to him, well, I'll do you a deal. We got married in the Anglican church, I'll turn Lutheran. And he <laughs> said, done. <laughs> so little did we know that years down the track, um, God would call him to be a pastor. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So how many children do you have? Um, we have three girls. Tasha's 30, Dana's nearly 29. The birthdays are all at the end of the year and Tali is 26. So yeah. And two beautiful little grandsons. Yeah. And we have another one on the way. So oh, in that's lovely. February. So we're very excited about that. Yeah. yeah. So Stuart is a reconciliation pastor. Yeah, so he's he comes under the LCA. He's the um, LCA interim pastor focusing on reconciliation and he took on that role in um, 2020. 
Just okay. at the start of COVID. Yeah. Okay. So 2020. Yeah. So the year that we started coming to the Lutheran Church, that was that was your first year. Yes. So we moved to Tasmania in the end of July. Yeah. About July. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the start of this new role for him. Yeah. For some reason, I keep thinking, oh, you've been in this reconciliation ministry for years and years and years. But no, it hasn't actually been that long. No. I mean, Stuart's journey started back in about 2009 when some pastors and lay people came over from America and were teaching reconciliation. So he sort of had that under his belt for a little while. And I sort of came on board in about 2012. But the actual call to become the LCA's interim pastor, yeah, only came sort of at the end of 2019, I think it was. And by the time, of course, we were meant to move earlier, but then COVID changed all that. Yes. Yeah. So I suppose now's a good time to actually ask what exactly is this reconciliation ministry that you are a part of? What does it actually look like? Yeah. So Stuart's role is to, he's actually assigned by the College of Bishops. So we don't really, I don't know, we've not tried, tried saying no. We just go where the bishops feel that we are needed where there's been conflicts in congregations. And um, he does an agreement with the parish council or the church council that he would be here for a time between anywhere between 18 months to two years. And that's part of the role that the bishops set out, that we weren't previous interim pastors have been short term, sort of three months, six months sort of thing. And they sort of found that they probably needed someone in there a bit longer. Yeah. So that's what they've sort of devised so he sets up an agreement with a congregation to make sure that they're on board to know that he's not just placed here, but that they are willing participants in this ministry together. So churches that have had conflict, it's your role to then go in and Stuart helps sort out some of the issues and, yeah, just helps the church stay together or come back together. Yeah, so once that he has that agreement with the congregation, knowing that we're not just forced upon a congregation, it is a called position that helps the congregation then have sort of ownership over that call, in a sense. We often get the question, especially when we arrive, is, all right, you're here to fix it or things like that, but we're not, not really. We know the fixer and that's that's God. Mm -hmm. And part of that role is to walk with people and teach them the biblical way to respond to conflict and, yeah, help them come to peace and healing through confession and forgiveness. Yeah. So do you have like a set course or a set Bible study program or something that you do or is it kind of just case by case? Yeah, so part of the way that Stuart approaches this that he sort of took on board from other pastors who had done a bit of interim ministry was that he takes people through a Bible study. It's actually from um, Ambassadors of Reconciliation in America um, called Conflict Resolution versus Reconciliation and talks about the differences. That usually takes pretty much of the 18 months, um, (laughs) depending on groups and how fast they work through the Bible study. Part of his role also that has been built in from the College of Bishops is that every three to four months he takes a two weeks break where he writes a report 
And when we come back from that two-week break, he gives that report to the congregations as to how things are going, what he's observed, things like that. When we first come into a parish, he will go and visit people and hear their stories about what happened in the conflict. He knows that that's their interpretation, so he takes that on board and then tries to work with people where they're at. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so the the Bible studies are a big part of it. His sermons are very much uh, reconciliation-based as well, just pronouncing the gospel a lot of the time because people in our everyday lives are so used to sharing the law with each other that the gospel often gets left. Yes, it seems to be part of our human nature to jump straight to the law. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the gospel often gets left behind. Yeah, certainly does. <laughs> so what are some of the challenges involved in reconciliation ministry? I guess moving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> moving all the time. Um, anyone who moves, I think, knows that probably it takes a good 18 months, maybe two years to settle into a place and really feel like you're a part of the place. And so for us, that's we have to try and... I guess, settle a bit quicker if we can, knowing that we've got limited time. It's difficult to people, some people will let their walls down and let you into their hearts a bit quicker than other people, but we still need to serve them as our, other, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's a, um, yeah, that's one of the, I guess, one of the challenges. Moving states is always a challenge because every state has their different way of doing things. <laughs> and having to constantly say goodbye. Yes. That is difficult. We sort of don't realise um, how quickly sometimes people worm their way into our hearts as well. And that's something, you know, that we need to be open to. We can't just stand back. We sort of, you know, get caught up in people's lives too and they become a part of our life. I often say that when um, wherever we move, our church family, especially if we move interstate away from our families, our church family becomes our family and, yeah, so that is difficult saying goodbye. Yeah. And what are some of the joys that come with this ministry? Yeah, some of the joys are probably even the same as the challenges, but moving some of the joys <laughs> because we get yep. to see different parts of the country. Yeah. I often said, and I think God must have been listening because we went to Tasmania for our honeymoon and I said, I always wanted to go back. So mm -hmm. God sent us there for two years, um, which was lovely. <laughs> and yeah, so we we do, we get to to see different places, we get to meet, like I said, our brothers and sisters in Christ that we didn't know before. Just seeing people, some people, you know, when you first come up, you can see that they've got conflict in their lives and then sometimes going, working through the, the Bible study or different books that Stuart will suggest that people read and you can see them have their aha moments and where things, the penny will drop for them and they just can see their, the weight lifted off their shoulders and how then they can deal with conflict in their own lives, might not be in the church, but even in their family lives, how they're looking at it differently. And that's a real joy to see that burden lifted off of people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Reconciliation is something that, uh, or reconciliation ministry is really something that we should all be practicing in our lives all the time, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Stuart often says he just, even if he went back to, parish ministry where we stayed longer, he said reconciliation ministry is still such a big part of his life because that's what he sees is needed. Yeah. 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 And I remember the Bible study that 
was part of the reconciliation ministry, it was brilliant. And even though we weren't a part of our church, when all of the difficulties happened, we came in quite late and um, we missed it all. And even though we weren't, yeah, we were new to the church and you had just come in in the reconciliation ministry, I remember really benefiting from the Bible study and just seeing what the Bible says about reconciliation and being able to apply that to my own relationships and my family and friends. And yeah, it was just really beneficial. Mm. Challenging at times too, because yes. um, part of the, I suppose, process when we come into a place and people think that Stuart's going to fix things and he says, well, you know, God is the fixer. Part of that is allowing people to see how what God says about reconciliation and about conflict in their own lives and them wrestling with what God has to say. You know, Stuart could come in and listen to them and tell them what what they've done wrong, but then that puts him in the firing line and it doesn't solve anything. But if you look at God's word, then, yeah, we get to wrestle with, with God. Yeah, point it back to God. Yes. Because he's big and he can handle it. Oh, he certainly is. <laughs> <laughs> so. What are some of the things that God says in his word about reconciliation? So I've pulled out a few. There's probably lots of it because for me, the whole Bible is about reconciliation with God sending his son to reconcile to us to him again. But yeah, a few verses that we sort of focus on in in the Bible study, especially when we're in conflict with someone, especially in the world's eyes, I guess we, we sit back and we go, well, They cause a conflict. I'll wait for them to say sorry and things like that. But in Matthew, there's a couple of verses in Matthew, Matthew 5, 23, 24, where it talks about when you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember your brother has something against you, you are to leave the gift and you are to go and reconcile with your brother. And then Matthew 18, 15 tells us that if your brother sins against you, and we can often tell when someone's not happy with us, you are to go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So we're not let off the hook in either in either case. It's where to go and sort out the conflict. And then another one that we often use is Romans 12, 18, which is, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That doesn't necessarily mean that if you have conflict with someone, you might be able to resolve that conflict, but you might not be able to restore that relationship. But as far as it's possible, and it depends on you, live at peace with people. Yeah. Also reminds me of last week's reading, was it last week, I think, of the parable of the unforgiving servant. Um, We did a Bible study on it, and Lee loves to do the numbers. (laughs) Yeah. And um, the debt that the servant owes the king, he worked out was like, something like 17 trillion dollars or something it would take him 20,000 years or something of work to pay off Mm. and just how the amount that God has forgiven us is incomprehensible incomprehensible yeah he's forgiven us so much we can forgive someone else something much, much smaller because of this, because God has forgiven us so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who are we to go and tell them to pay up or hold grudges when God's forgiven us? Yeah, 
it is a really difficult, sometimes we don't want to forgive and it is really, really hard to do that. We often tell people that forgiveness always costs the giver. Yeah. Yeah, it's not easy. There's a book that Stuart often um, refers people to as well and it's, it's by a lady by the name of Lisa Turkist, I think. can't remember how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, forgiving what you can't forget. Yeah, and that's an interesting, she has some good sort of quotes in there. Yeah, because forgiveness is, it's very difficult. It can be very difficult, especially when you're doing it without the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I know that there's also a lot of misconceptions about what forgiveness is. Yes. Because a lot of people seem to think that it it doesn't matter. You know, what you did to me, oh, it just doesn't matter. And I'm just going to pretend that it never happened. But that's not what biblical forgiveness is. Um, No. And the thing that we learn in our Bible study is that, you know, if someone says, oh, I'm really sorry, and you say, oh, that's okay, then there was really no need for that person to say sorry, for one. And the other thing is, in that moment, and I need to be careful, but only in that moment, what you're saying is that person doesn't need Jesus because they don't need to be forgiven. So we need to be careful because if someone is sorry for a sin, then the best thing for them to hear is you're forgiven. Christ died for you and, and you're forgiven. Yes. And I remember coming into the Lutheran church, the confession and absolution. Wow, that rocked my world. Yeah. Wow. Confessing as a church every Sunday and then receiving the absolution from the pastor, it's just so comforting for sinners, Mm. for sinners like me. Yeah. Even though Stuart is the reconciliation pastor, how are you involved in this ministry as his wife? So that was really an interesting journey for me when he took on the reconciliation ministry, especially because our first stint was in Tasmania. So I guess for me, I started out by accompanying him to meetings with people, one, so that I could sort of get to know the members quicker than only seeing them every fortnight. So at least I could get to meet them, um, which created challenges for me because up until that point, I sort of As I had been a supportive pastor's wife in his ministry, now I was being more involved in it and it was challenging because at times when people were recounting their stories, they were quite angry at people or angry at the church, the way things had been handled and things like that. So for me to see and be involved in that was, yeah, challenging and sometimes Stuart would would come home and Stuart would then have to debrief me. Um, (laughs) Mm. a bit because it's not something I had been involved in so yeah that was a bit of a challenge for me yeah so even where we are now I initially sat in with some conversations that he had with people and I try to attend most of the bible studies if I can with him and just be a support for him it's quite a lonely role um, moving around and it's hard to connect and make long-term friends I guess yeah. Yeah. And you're also constantly dealing with people's hurts. Yes. Yeah. Hurts against each other and hurts against them. And yeah. I imagine it would be a very tough job. Yeah. You see the, the worst of some people and the best of some people. But it's like I said before, when people work through the Bible studies and then they have those aha moments and the joy that comes out of that is, yeah, that's really special. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it's been a big learning curve for me, I think, going into this role. Certainly the moving 
is a challenge. Yes. Yeah. But I was just thinking about it. God has used your work and Stuart's work in the reconciliation ministry to even, you know, influence people who are not involved in the reconciliation ministry, like my husband and I, Taz and I. Yeah. You know, we weren't part of the church when the difficulties came. We came in afterwards, but Stuart and you have played a huge part bringing us into the Lutheran church, you know, and I kind of think if there was a different pastor there or, you know, if there was someone else there who wasn't as well equipped to handle some of especially my um, wrestlings and my issues, then maybe we wouldn't have become Lutheran. I don't know. But, yeah, the Lord brought you to Tasmania to help our church and Through that, uh, the Lord brought us into that church and you and Stuart helped us too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we often um, say to people, because we will get that comment and people also outside of the congregations that will serve, you know, will sometimes say to us, oh, I feel really embarrassed because you're there helping them sort out conflict and that's not really nice at all. But we see it as an opportunity. We see conflict as an opportunity, which people sort of it's hard to understand, but it's an opportunity to proclaim the gospel through the forgiveness of sins. Yes. And you're giving people lifelong tools that they can use all the time. Yeah. And that's part of the Bible study is trying to equip the people so that because people do get concerned. Well, what about when you leave and we have conflict? And he says, mm-hmm. well, you have the tools now. You have the Bible study. You have God's word. You have the tools that you can go back to to help with conflict. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit stays there too. He doesn't oh, leave absolutely. when you leave. No, absolutely not. Yes. <laughs> We've left him. We've left him wherever we go. Yes. <laughs> yes. Are there any kind of books or resources resources that you would be able to share with us that if we're in conflict with someone or if we're interested in reconciliation that we could look up or read? Yeah, certainly this one I mentioned before, this one from Lisa Turquoise. Mm, yeah. She goes through her journey of um, she was went through a divorce and, um, yeah, she wanted to, one of the things she wanted to be able to come to terms with was be able to look at her wedding photos without feeling that pain and anger mm-hmm. because that was a happy time in her life and she wanted to remember that. So it's her journey of how she works through Uh, forgiveness. So um, a Bible verse that I go to in times when I'm struggling in not just conflict, but when there's people in conflict around me, the one that gives me strength is Psalm 27 verse 1, where it is, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Mm. So yeah, I just thought I'd share that with you. That's beautiful and encouraging. Mm. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Here She Stands. Next fortnight, Sonia and I will be sitting down together and reflecting on God's faithfulness as we started up the podcast this year and as we have continued to release episodes. This will be the last episode for this year. After that, there will be a five-week break before we jump straight back into interviewing beautiful Lutheran women. Don't forget to check out the show notes for information and links relating to today's episode. 
You can find Here She Stands on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email us at hereshestands.podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to sign up to our newsletter, download our episode transcripts, or find out more about us, head on over to our website at hereshestands.online. Until then, we pray that you will hold fast to God's word and confidently say, Here I stand, I can do no other. Thank you.